There is a word that God has for us today, um, and I truly believe that he uses worship uh, as a way to even speak into our lives. Um, And just looking at the songs that we just did and knowing the text that we're going to be at today, how God in his sovereignty has orchestrated all of this uh, from the kids singing Raise a Hallelujah uh, to uh, going into Every Giant Will Fall and then great things, and then you cannot be stopped. Um, Hunter and I did not plan this, um, but it's just the way that God works. It's, it's one of these miracles that we see happening, I truly believe, uh, in services. And so uh, there's a text that we're going to be looking at today. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 31. So if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and turn there uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 31. It's the, Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. So Pastor Brian has been preaching through the book of Revelation um, at the end of the Bible, and so we're just going to go to the beginning of the Bible. So fifth book in, uh, you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy, and then Deuteronomy chapter 31. Uh, we're going to begin, we're going to look at here in just a second the first eight verses of uh, uh, Deuteronomy 30, 31, but then we're really going to be just camping out and hanging out in verse 8 here in, in just a little bit. And so, uh, obviously, as you can tell, Pastor Brian is uh, out of town. Uh, he announced it l- this time last, uh, last week. In fact, during the service, uh, Bethany delivered their uh, second grandchild, uh, Emma Kay. Uh, and so, uh, they went away, uh, scheduled pastors and wives retreat at the beginning of the week. And then the timing just worked out perfectly uh, for them to go down to Sanford and to visit uh, Harper uh, and Emma Kay, um, those of y'all that are grandparents, those of y'all that have kids, we all know when the grandparents come, they're not there to see you. They're there to see your kids, okay? Uh, so as much as uh, Bonnie and Brian love Will and Bethany, they're there to see their grandkids um, and also visit with them. So uh, just been praying for a time of rest and refreshment uh, for both of them. And so uh, it is an honor uh, today to be able to stand here uh, and to open God's word uh, with you. And I'm just excited about what he's going to show us today or what he's just going to remind us about today that's going to hopefully lead us to uh, some points of action uh, in our life. And so there is a phrase uh, that I find myself saying a lot uh, as, as a father. Um, God has blessed us uh, with four kids. Um, I was telling our story the other day um, when I was hanging out with some people, and they're like, you've got four kids. What is that like? I said, I really don't know. It just kind of happened, right? Um, and so, but God has blessed us with four kids. We've got a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old, and an 8-year-old. And so, uh, yeah, life is awesome. It is full. Um, but there's a phrase that I have found myself, and it's just two words. And the phrase is this, trust me. Trust me. Um, I say it a lot, um, you know, wanting our kids to have new experiences, wanting them to experience things that I have experienced uh, as a kid, uh, and then wanting them to have those same experiences. You know, uh, I had the privilege to grow up, and each summer uh, we would go down to the Florida Keys and go down to Marathon right there in the middle, okay? Um, And so we would go down there every summer, and we would lobster, uh, we would swim in the ocean, and we would spearfish, uh, we would go fishing offshore and everything, and then becoming a dad, I wanted my kids to have those same experiences. It was just natural to me. This is what I grew up doing. 
Um, and so I'll never forget taking our kids down there one at a time as they got old enough to get into the water, put a mask on, look at the water, and just see God's creation under the water. But if you step back and you think about that, that just doesn't seem logical. It's like, dude, you, you want me to get out of a boat where this is what's floating, this is what's safe, and you want me to put some sort of apparatus around my face, right? And you want me to put something in my mouth to, that's going like, to you know, help me breathe through. And then you want me to get into the water where sharks are. I mean, you know, I don't know. These kids don't really grow up watching Jaws like, like we did. But they all, everybody knows there's sharks in the ocean. That's, that's, that's the shark's house, right? And so it's like that doesn't make sense. But as a dad, I'm like, hey, listen, come on in. Trust me. Come on in. And so there's this element of faith, there's this step of faith that they have to take to get out of the boat, to get into the water, to be able to experience this. I also think about uh, another experience that I've had with each of our kids, and that's the experience of having the privilege to teach them how to ride a bike, right? Aaron's like, look, I teach them how to read, you teach them how to ride a bike. They're going to remember you more than me, all right? Um, but anyhow, um, and so having the experience to teach them all how to ride a bike, um, have the same hill in our yard that I've taught each of our kids how we start up and we start in the grass okay you know it's a little safer uh, and so we start in the grass and just each of our kids going from the training wheels taking the training wheels off and there's just that uneasiness and again the phrase is trust me trust me you're going to enjoy this you're going to be able to enjoy the neighborhood more you're going to be able to enjoy the freedom that you have but we have to take these training wheels off and so we take the training wheels off, we put each kid on the bike, and again, this happened, we each one get on top of the hill, and again, doing the whole dad jock, right, uh, behind them, and they're like, don't let go, don't let go, and it's like, I'm not going to let go, I let go, um, you know, and then they fall over, and then they're like, no, you know, it, but here's the amazing thing, again, trust me, trust your dad, trust your dad, I know what's best for you. You might fall, but I know what's best for you. And then each one eventually got the ability to ride a bike. Except for Maya. I think Maya, I think our youngest, just, she just rode the bike. I don't even think I had to do much. I put my finger on it, and she just went. Um, but I, as I think about that as a dad, I do think about our relationship with God. How God is in heaven. He's the creator of the world. He's the savior provided salvation for all of us, made a way for us to know him, made a way for us to have intimacy with him. And we are trying to do life our own way because this is what we think is safe. This is what we think is best. And God is just telling us over and over, trust me. And there's a passage, a verse that God has given me a long time ago, and I've never had a chance to preach on it, and he just brought me to it this week as I was praying through what to uh, preach about today. And it's in Deuteronomy 31, uh, verse, uh, verse 8. And so I want to kind of read the passage. We're going to set some context, and then we're going to just break this apart. And our goal today is just simply this. Uh, I want you to see that you can trust God. I want you to be reminded that you can trust God. I know that sounds elementary, and I know that sounds very simple, but let me just ask you the question, are you trusting God with your life? Is there any area in your life to where you're like, God, I know better than you, I got this, right? Any area of your life where you're having fear, where you're having discouragement, 
and you're trying to figure it out, you're relying on things of our world to help you figure it out, today, man, let the truth of God's word remind you to trust in God. My biggest desire is for those that are in this room, and I guarantee you, in a room this size with this many people, there are people in here that you have never put your faith and trust in God for salvation. You know about God. You know all the right things, but you've never put your faith in. And so I'm praying through the power of his word, uh, through the power of his spirit, that today we would see salvation in this room and that people would trust in him. Let me just pray, and then we're gonna read the text. God, again, this is, this is your time. This is your space. God, um, help me, because Lord, I, I don't just, I don't wanna be entertaining. God, I, I wanna speak your truth. So God, I just pray you'd use me as your vessel right now. Um, God, I pray for every heart that's in this room. God, I even pray for my own heart, that God, you would search us, and that God, you would help us to see if there's anywhere, any way in our life that we are not trusting you. And God, I pray these truths that we're gonna see in this verse, that God, they would just, again, bring such security in our hearts and that they, God, they would help us make the decision to trust you. So this is your time, Jesus. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses one through eight says, when Moses had finished giving these instructions to all the people of Israel, he said, I am now 120 years old. That's old. I thought 40 was old. <clears throat> 40 seems young, right? And I am no longer able to lead you. The people, ha- that the Lord has told me, you will not cross the Jordan River, but the Lord your God himself will go ahead of you, and he will destroy the nations living there, and you will take possession of their land. Joshua will lead you across the river, just as the Lord promised. The Lord will destroy the nations living in the land, just as he destroyed Sihon and Og and the kings of the Amorites. The Lord will hand over to you the people who live there, and you must deal with them as I have commanded you. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you, and he will neither fail you nor abandon you. Verse 7, there's a transition here. Then Moses called for Joshua, and all, the Israel, and all of Israel watched. And he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for uh, you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors. And he would give them, and you are the, and you are the one who will divide it among them as the grants of land. Verse 8, here's the key verse for the day. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And so the context of Deuteronomy, if you just not, uh, don't know, is um, there is a new generation of Israelites, uh, and they're about to go into a, an, a new land, a, a promised land, a promised land that God, as we just read, had promised to them, but also had promised to the generations a- ahead of them. And the reason why there's a new generation is if you go back just one more book in the Bible into the book of Numbers, in Numbers chapter 14, something very interesting and something very sad happens is that uh, this generation, their parents were at the same place they were, and they were supposed to go into the land, and they even sent some spies into the land, the spies went into the land, they checked it out, the land was awesome, flowing with milk and honey, and they came back and gave the report 
But they said, the people there are too great. There's no way that we could conquer them. They're, they're, they're too fortified. They're too advanced in their technology, right? We can't do this. And so they decided and made the decision not to go into the land. And God, because he's loving, but also because he's just, made the decision. You can look at it in Exodus, excuse me, Numbers chapter 14 and verse 29, where he says, everyone that is 20 and older will now have to go on a 40-year march to the wilderness. And those that are 20 and older are eventually going to die. And so that has happened. And now there's a new generation, right? And so there's a new generation that's there. uh, And now it's time for them to go into the promised land. And this is what the book of Deuteronomy is about. And so what Moses does is he gathers this new generation, and he re-gives them the law. That's even what the book of Deuteronomy means. It means second giving, uh, second giving of the law. And again, Moses is calling this next generation of Israel to be faithful to their God, to trust in their God. But also, this point in the book of Deuteronomy is very important because there's not just a new generation, there's not just a new land, but now there's also going to be some new leadership, There's going to be a transition of leadership from Moses to Joshua, right? In fact, Joshua and his buddy Caleb, they were a part of those spies, and they came back, and they said, hey, we can take the land. We can do this. Our God is able to do it, but no one listened to them. God showed them grace because of their faith in him, and so now Joshua is going to take over the new leadership that's here. And in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 31, and here in verses 7 and 8, Moses goes from instructing all of Israel and speaking to Israel, and then he transitions here and he speaks directly to Joshua because he's passing the mantle on to him. And in verse 8, there's just some key principles. Actually, there's just four of them I want us to pull out today, and we're just going to allow the text to actually form our... Um, the the text to guide us today and to form our points. And so again, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, you can see it here on the screens. It says, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. Uh, He will be with you, and he will uh, neither fail you nor abandon you. And so what we want to do is we just want to work through this verse today. And so just the first part that we come to, uh, God's word says, do not be afraid or discouraged. So we can trust God. God is saying, trust me. Do not be afraid or discouraged. You know, what's interesting, if you do a little bit of research and you begin to kind of, I don't know if you've ever read through the whole Bible, maybe you've tried to do it in a year, maybe you've tried to do it and you've just kind of been picking it up chunks at a time. But there is a command that is in the Bible that is repeated over 300 times. And that command is, do not be afraid or do not fear. It's interesting that throughout the whole Bible, you see that throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, that command is repeated over and over and over. And here's the reality. I don't care who you are, what stage of life you are in right now, we all struggle with fear. We all struggle with being afraid. We all struggle with discouragement. Why do we struggle with these things? I would say for two reasons. One, because we're afraid of what's unknown, and we're afraid because of deep down inside, whether we don't want to show it or not, there's some insecurity that's there. And so right here, Moses reminds Joshua, 
And now we have it in God's word to remind us that we can trust in God. We do not have to be afraid. We do not have to be discouraged. You see, again, sometimes we have fear because of the unknown, the unknown of what's going to happen next in life, the unknown of what's going to even happen at the end of life and death. We have the unknown of provision. How is God going to provide? Maybe you feel like God's calling you to make a new transition and a new season in your life, and you're like, how am I going to provide for myself? How am I going to provide for my family? Unknown of a new relationship or even just relationships that are at odds in our family. And God has been stirring you to do something about these different relationships, but there's this fear of just unknown of how people are going to react. We have fear of the unknown of even our physical condition, Maybe even this week, some of you got a call from a doctor or some of you, something just didn't start to feel right in your body and you're just like, man, something's not right. And there's this fear that sets in. And all that is understandable and rational. And then maybe today, God's brought you here for this moment to just let you know that, hey, listen, you can trust in God. See, when it comes to fear, fear is the opposite of faith. One pastor says that fear is seeing the human side of things. Looking at whatever it is that might be causing some fear in your life or causing you to be afraid, and it's looking at it through a human set of eyes. There's a really cool story in the book of 2 Kings, and I I was reminded about this story this week. I was even telling Aaron this morning, I was like, I don't even know why I ended up here but it ended up in 2 Kings. We're, we're reading through James as a youth group, and somehow I'm in 2 Kings. But anyhow, I'm reading through 2 Kings, and in 2 Kings chapter 6, there's this great story of Elisha. He's now the prophet for God's people. And the, the Syrian army was trying to plan different attacks against Israel, and God was letting Elisha know, hey, here's where they're going to be. And so Elisha would let the Israel army know, hey, listen, don't go there. They're trying to sneak up on you. Happened multiple times. The Syrian king gets so frustrated, and is like, there must be a traitor within my own camp in my own army. And his generals came and said, hey, listen, no. There's a man. There's a prophet of God for the army of Israel It even says in the text, it says, he knows what you say in your own bedroom chamber, right? And so the Syrian king's like, where is he? They said he's in Dothan. Not Dothan, Alabama, okay? Dothan. He's like, go get him, right? And so they go to capture Elisha, and they send their army. It says horses and chariots. You can only imagine the sound of that. And Elisha has a servant that's working alongside of him, and that next morning, listen to what happens here in 2 Kings 6. This is so good. I don't have verse 16 on the screen. I'll have verse 17. It says, don't be afraid. There's that command again. Elisha told his servant, again, the servant sees this army, and he's just like freaking out. So Elisha says, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than theirs. Oh, verse 17, here it is. Then Elisha prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Man, what a prayer. I don't know what you're struggling with today, but that's a prayer for us out of 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. Oh, Lord, 
open my eyes. Oh, Lord, help, help me not see it from my perspective. God, help me see it from your perspective. God, help me to trust you, whatever it is you're dealing with. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6, also gives us this reminder. It says, so we can, so we can say with confidence that the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? You know, um, a while ago, I think I was at Wild Adventures, and uh, we were going on the train ride, and they had these antelope that were there where you can kind of see them uh, in their fields and stuff. And what's really interesting about the antelope, the guy that was on the train was telling us is that an antelope can jump like 30 feet long and 10 feet high, right? 30 feet. I'm not going to try to do that for you guys right now, okay? And I definitely can't jump 10 feet high, all right? But seriously, they, I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, 10 foot, if you know anything about that, that's the height of a basketball goal. That's how high they can jump from a standstill position. And then 30 feet long when they're running. But here's what's interesting. The fence that kept them caged in wasn't 10 foot high. It, it was like 4 foot, 5 I don't know, 6 foot high. So he's like, what's the deal? And he said, here's what's interesting about the antelope. We can keep them caged in, even though they can clearly get over the fence, because they can't see what's on the other side. And that stuck with me because, can I tell you something? I think we're like antelope. (laughs) I think we get caged in by fear and discouragement when God and his power has given us the ability to trust in him. And if we have experienced salvation, we have the spirit of God living inside of us, and we have that ability to trust God and to be used by God to do great things, but we stay caged in because of fear and because of discouragement. You know, the other thing I said that causes fear and discouragement is insecurity. The feeling like you don't measure up, feeling like you have to please people to be accepted. I mean, again, think about Joshua's situation here. Moses has been the leader, right? Moses, you know, plagues in Israel, Moses. Red Sea, Moses. Go up on a mountain, speak with God, Moses. Ten Commandments, Moses. This has been the leader, and then you're the next guy in line. I can't do that. There's no way I can measure up. But listen to what Moses says. He says, listen, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. In fact, Moses even is affirming him as the next leader. In verse 7 in Deuteronomy 31, it says that he brought Joshua up in front of all of Israel and was basically saying, hey, listen, this is y'all's new leader. This is your new one that's going to take you into this new land. God himself even reaffirms Joshua and maybe his insecurities and his struggles. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, God says, be strong and courageous, For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors and I would give to them. See, even God himself reaffirms him. And and I just want to let you know today that through the truth of God's word, God reaffirms us and helps us with our fear, helps us with what's unknown, helps us with, again, the insecurities that we have in our life. But we have to be willing to listen to him where he's saying, trust me. The ultimate way that we need to trust in God is not just through gaining knowledge, but through actually transferring our trust from ourselves onto him. And that happens at salvation. 
to knowing the fact that we are all sinners and we are all separated from God because of the sin in, in our life. And there is nothing that we can do to get rid of our sins. Do you know that there might be some of you that you're in this room today because you're trying to take your sins away by coming to church, by dressing nice, by acting the way you should, by even singing the songs that come up on the screen. And in, the, in, in, your, in your heart of hearts, you're trying to do all these good things to take away your sin and you can't. There's no way you can remove your sins, and that's why God had to give us Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross. He died. He paid the price for your sins, the price that you could never pay. He was buried, and he rose from the grave on the third day, showing that he has conquered death. He's conquered the grave. He's conquered your sin. He's made a way for you to know him. But here's the catch. You have a decision to make. You have to put your trust in him. That has to happen in your life. And if you've never made that decision today, I encourage you, I challenge you, whatever emotion, whatever adjective I can throw out there, do not leave here through any of these doors without knowing that you're saved today. Trust God. Trust God. God knows what's on the other side of the fence, and he has the ability to help us. He's given us the ability to trust in him. And it starts with salvation, and then it goes on from there. Verse 8, back to verse 8, next phrase, it goes from do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you. So we trust God. Why? Because the Lord will personally go ahead of us. You see, I love these, this phrase because there's two things that we can pull from here. Is one that God is personal. He knows where you are and he leads us. He comes to us and he meets us right where we are. Every single one of us in this room God is personal to you. But he's not just personal, but it says that God is also eternal. He is not bound by time. Psalm chapter 90, verse 2 says, Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from beginning to end, you are God. Other translations say, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. This is a hard concept for us to imagine that God goes ahead of us because everything that we know is so much bound by time, but God is not bound by time because he's God. So because he's God, he could tell Joshua, I go ahead of you. God knew about Jericho before Joshua did. God knew about every battle that he was going to face before Joshua did. In the same way in our life, God knows the battles you're going to have to face, but we have to be willing to step back, to stop fighting our battles with our own abilities, and to begin to trust him. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 25, there's some great reminders that are in here. But verses 28 through 31 just simply says, have you not heard, have you never understood that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all earth, he never grows weary or weak. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired. And young men, young men will fall in exhaustion. You all hear that, teenagers? Okay? No matter how strong you think you are, you're gonna, you, know, you get tired. Anyhow, verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. You see, again, because God is everlasting, because he's timeless, here's this reminder that we can trust 
him. The same with our kids. Because I had learned how to ride a bike, because I had swam in the ocean, right? I, I, had, I had gone before them. I would experienced that. And so then I could tell them with confidence, hey, you can trust me. It's going to be okay. Guys, listen, God goes ahead of you. This week, he knows what's going to happen. You can trust him. He is everlasting to everlasting. He is God. Next phrase in Deuteronomy 31, verse 8 says, and he will be with you. We can trust God. Why? Because he will be with you. God is not only personal. God is not only eternal. I love this because it also reminds us that God is present. That he's not just so transcendent and just removed from us. He is, but yet he's personal. How do we know he's personal? The gospel, Jesus You see, God's presence is key in his people's life. There's an interesting encounter that happens back in the book of Exodus. And this is after uh, God's people had been brought out of slavery. And they're going through the desert. Before they even get to the promised land and reject God, they had been whining and complaining. In Exodus chapter 33, verse 3, God just says this to Moses. He says, go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, Listen to what he says, but I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. And if I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. Moses goes and he meets with God, and in verse 15 of Exodus 33, it says, Then Moses said, If you do not personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me? on me and your people, if you do not go with us. For your presence, listen to this, among us sets us, sets your people and me apart from all the earth. You see again, God's presence is key when it comes to trusting him. And in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse eight, it reminds us that he will be with you. You see, a powerful presence, it changes everything. So again, I don't know what you're going through right now, but know that God is present. It says that he will be with you. The last thing before we close and get back into worship, the last phrase in Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says, he will neither fail you nor abandon you. So we can trust God, why? Because he will neither fail you nor abandon you. See, we struggle with trusting God because I think we make this idea, even of our faith, we make ourselves the object. When it comes to our faith, God is the object. Jesus is the object of our faith. The problem is we don't trust God because we don't trust ourselves or others, and and we have failed or others have failed us. And so we're kind of guarded with this whole idea of trust, and we only want to touch, trust things that we can see, feel, and touch. But we have to remember all that we have here in the scriptures shows us of these great reminders of that we can trust God and that he will neither fail us and he will not abandon us. You can work through all of scripture, Noah and the ark, Moses, Red Sea, Joshua, Jericho, Elisha and the army like I just described with you. And ultimately, the biggest example we have of trust is Jesus and his death, his burial, and his resurrection. 
And it reminds us that not only do we just trust in him, but knowing that he's never going to fail us and he's never going to leave us because it's about what he has done and not even our own ability. See, God will never call you to do something and leave you alone. We're reminded of this even in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Listen to Jesus' words to his disciples. It says, Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you. Oh, and here it is. And surely, and, and I will be with you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. You guys see what Jesus tells his disciples? He doesn't just commission them. He says, and I'm going to be with you. And so again, he's not gonna fail us. He's not going to abandon us, and this is so key. Even when we turn from him, he's still present, and he's still there. And so this morning, again, I just want us to hear the truth that we see in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8. And I just want you, again, to be reminded of reasons why you can trust God. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 8, is our Heavenly Father reminding each of us today, saying, hey, trust me. Trust me. Joshua and the new generation of Israelites, they had, they had some decisions, they had decisions to make. And they moved forward, and they trusted God. Us today, we've got some decisions to make. Maybe some things that, again, you've been mulling over, some things you've been praying about. Maybe it's salvation. Maybe it's something that you know, hasn't happened yet, but it's, it's going to happen maybe this week, maybe next week. And what we see from the truth of Scripture is this. You can trust God, but the question is, will you? The first step is salvation. Will you trust God for salvation? Maybe, again, you've been struggling. God's been burdening your heart to share the gospel, to invite some people to church, right? And you haven't because of fear, because of rejection. This morning, man, just know from the truth of Scripture, you can trust God. Maybe you've been praying even about joining this church. Maybe you've been hurt by church in the past, and you, don't, and just, you feel vulnerable to that. Maybe this morning God's saying, hey, listen, this is where I want you to be. You can trust me. Maybe it's about baptism. Maybe you've experienced salvation, but you've never been obedient in taking that next step of faith to, again, show the world that you're a follower of Jesus. And you've been thinking about it, whether it's a student, whether it's an adult, right? And God's been kind of putting it on your heart, and you just keep explaining it away. Listen, this morning, trust God. Maybe there's some other type of, uh, again, crisis you're in. This morning, again, I just want to encourage you to trust God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, come to you this morning, and again, we want to acknowledge first who you are. (laughs) That God, you are a creator. That God, you are um, 
one that sustains. You don't just create life, you sustain it. Um, that God, you are in control of all things. Um, that God, you are timeless. So God, I just pray that God, we would just get a, a glimpse of who you are, but also who we are. That God, we are finite. That God, we are the ones that are created in your image. That God, we are not perfect. That God, we all have sin. That God, we are in need of you. And so God, I pray as we see who you are and see who we are, that we would just let go of ourselves, let go of whatever reasoning we are holding on to, and that, Lord, we would trust you. And God, I know that's such a broad statement, such a simple statement, but God, uh, you know where that needs to be applied in each of our lives. So God, let the truth of your word, God, let this, this verse from Deuteronomy 31, verse eight, God, just remind us the reason why we can trust you. Jesus, you are the greatest reason. What you did for us, your sacrifice for us, shows us that we can trust God. In the stillness of this moment, I want to encourage you to respond to what you've heard. We're about to worship. We're going to sing a very powerful song here. I want to encourage you in this moment, allow the truth of this song to, the lyrics to wash over you, but allow them to encourage you to trust in God because of what Jesus has done. And if you're here today and there's never been that moment of salvation, you've been wrestling with it, just know after the end of the service, at the end of this worship song, I'll be here. We have other people that are in this church. There are people probably right next to you that would love to talk to you about how to receive Christ, how to put your trust in him. If you've got any other decisions you need, man, use this time as prayer. Use the time afterwards as prayer. We're here. We want to be for, here for you. But it's decision time, and I just want to encourage each of us whatever area it fits, that you would trust in God. So God, we give you this time. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.